Hello. Hello to everyone in the room. Hello to everyone online. I know there's a few people that have messaged me saying they're not feeling well. So we are praying for you. We're hoping you're feeling better. And thank you for, for joining us online. As Christina said, my name is Mia. Um, it's always, always such a pleasure to be able to share when I get the chance. For those of you who do not know me, um, I've been on staff here at Harvest for about the last five to six years. Um, I do an array of things. I do bookkeeping. I, I help with event planning. I oversee our amazing green shirt Host team people, shout out to the host team people. Give them a round of applause. Aren't they amazing? Don't they look so great? They're the best. Um, yeah, so, so I'm here on staff, um, and I have to admit, um, it was like just short moments, but we heard pastors going downstairs to speak to the kids, and I was like, oh, I'm totally going down there. Mia, you're preaching. I'm like, I have FOMO. <laughs> like, I've, I've literally been having this fear of missing out since I was, I was told about this. And so um, I'm super excited that he's downstairs. I think it's absolutely incredible that we have a pastor who is willing to go down and be with the next generation. Um, so yeah give, him, yeah, give him a round of applause. He's amazing. We just absolutely love our pastor and just the vision he has for this house. But I need to shout out Brittany Brink. Um, you know, she... she she stewards and cares for our children. She's our, our kids' church pastor. You know, she was up here a few weeks ago speaking with us, but she, she pastors them, and she does such an incredible job. Let's give her a round of applause because she just, she's incredible, and uh, just the vision she has and, like, knowing that my kids are down there um, under her care is, is just, it's so incredible knowing that they're down there. Um, I told my son Titus, you know, he's been leading up to us this morning. He goes, today is the day, and I'm like, yes, I'm speaking, and he's just like, pastor's coming down. <laughs> I'm like, you clearly don't care all about me. Um, but I told him, I'm like, okay, you got to ask him your really hard questions because he's answering their questions. Their questions about God, the universe. Um, and and it's, it's amazing. So I'm, I'm super excited later to hear how he did. Um, and uh, the kids are honest. I mean, up here, there's no stress. Like, even if I bomb it, you guys are so wonderful and kind. You're going to be like, you did such a great job, you know, like pat me on the back. Titus is going to tell me the truth. Like if pastor bombs down there, I'm going to hear about it and I'll have to be honest, I guess. I'm sure he'll do, I'm sure he'll do amazing. Um, so a few fun facts about me. Um, I am married to the big bearded, bald headed singer that was, that was here. Um, together we do have Titus, he's almost 10, and we also have um, our son Asher who is almost three, he'll be three um, in just a few weeks. So that is super exciting for us. And another really fun fact, um, as I was praying, preparing for today, I just felt like it worked really well with what I was sharing is, can everyone see what this is? Mom, if you're watching, you're going to be so embarrassed for me telling this. Like this was contraband in my house growing up. Who here grew up? I know Christina and I were talking about this this morning. She was in the same boat. Like this was the devil's work. I could not play these when I was a child. Does anyone else here? Put your hand up. Anybody else? Oh, I wasn't alone. I wasn't alone. Like these things were, ugh. Could not touch them, could not play them. Um, but I will be completely honest. As a teenager, you know, you have spares. Your friends get together, and what did we do? We played cards. And what I realized in those days was these things were not going to make me follow the Satan. Um, but one of my really, really, really fun games I absolutely love playing, some of you may know it, it's called Janitor. Does anyone know the game Janitor? Um, okay, so with Janitor... For those of you who don't know, it does, it, it, some people call it different names. Um, it comes with a varying, you know, number of house rules. But with Janitor, you all play around, and then after that round, you're ranked between the person who won, that's the president, second place, co like co-president, vice president. You go all the way down, and then you have the janitor. And sometimes you have a, a co-janitor. And what happens with that game is you're all dealt out the, 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 the cards, 
And if you're the janitor, you have to give your one or two best cards to the president and the vice president, and they give you their one or two worst cards. So when you're, like, when you're the janitor and you look at your hand, like I viscerally remember this, looking at my hand, like I remember where I was in high school, like we had like this landing in our high school where the stairs were and this where we would all like cool like hang out. I remember this and I remember looking at my hand and just being like this is such a bad hand. And now I have to give two of my, wor- like my best worst cards to the president. And I remember my friend being like, are these really your best cards? And it's like so defeating because you're like, I'm going to be in this pot forever. And like when you play games, you want to win, right? Like you're not like, oh, I love losing. But the feeling you would get when you would start out around as the janitor and you learned how to play your cards right and you like got the right moves in and you ended up as the president. Oh, that was, oh, that was such a good feeling. Like you guys know, like you guys have played card games. Like when you're like, I'm gonna lose and then you win, like that is a good feeling. Like who has felt that before? Like, yeah, if your hand's up or not, like for sure we've all felt this before. And so this morning I want to talk to you about um, a girl from Genesis 16. Um, Her name is Hagar. And I want to talk to you about the cards that she was played in life. And, you know, growing up when I would hear this story, it was really focused on Abraham and Sarah. It wasn't focused on Hagar and her her perspective. But I want to share it with you this morning. Um, Before we do that, if you do want notes and you didn't get any, put your hands up. My amazing team will give them to you. And uh, before we go further, also, we're going to stop. We're going to pray. And then we'll keep going. Father, I just thank you for this morning, God. I thank you for this opportunity just to be here. And God, I just ask that your presence would fill this place. And that God, beyond people hearing me this morning, they would encounter you. They would have an encounter that would give them a fresh revelation. That you see them and that you hear them. And that you see them with compassion and understand that you love them. Father, we just give the rest of this time to you. And we just pray that you would bless everyone here this morning and online tuning in. In Jesus' name. So this story about Hagar actually begins with the story of Abraham. For those of you who know that story, um, God had an encounter with Abraham. He called him out from his family to follow him. And one of the promises, one of the big promises that God made Abraham was that he would be the father of many nations. So those of you who know this story know that Abraham, called Abram at the time, and his wife Sarah, who was called Sarai um, at the time, they were barren. And so when Hagar jumps into the scene, when we start reading about her, we're looking at a landscape with a culture that believes in slavery. We're looking at a culture that believes in in plural marriage. Um, And so we, we find Abraham and Sarah trying to push the promises of God along because there's this promise and they're going, well, we don't know how that's gonna happen. And so we're gonna pick up the story. We're gonna pick up the story in uh, verse three. Let me just find where it is in my notes. And we're going to read what happens here. So it says, After Abram had been living in Canaan for 10 years, Sarai, his wife, took her Egyptian slave Hagar and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with her and she conceived. When she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. Then Sarai said to Abram, You are responsible for the wrong that I am suffering. I put my slave in your arms and now that she is pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. Your slave is in your hands, Abram said. Do with her whatever you think is best. Then Sarai 
mistreated Hagar, so she fled from her. Then the angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. It was a spring beside the road to Shur. And he said, Hagar, slave of Sarai, where are you coming from and where are you going? I'm running from my mistress, Sarai, she answered. Then the Lord, or then the angel of the Lord said to her, go back to your mistress, submit to her. The angel added, I will increase your descendants so much that they will be too numerous to count. And the angel of the Lord also said to her, you are now pregnant and you will give birth to a son. You shall name him Ishmael, for the Lord has heard your misery. He will be a wild donkey of a man. He will, his hand will be against everyone and everyone's against his, and he will live in hostility with his brothers. She gave the na- this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have even now seen the one who sees me. You see, like Hagar, we are all slaves to something. If you Put yourself in a situation intentionally or not. There are things in life that have happened to us. There are cards that life has dealt us that enslave us. And so these emotions and these feelings and this behavior that we see in her life, we see in our lives. We see that in our lives. And we see that she learned how to play her cards really well. We see this and we know this because she wasn't just a slave. She was the top slave. She was the slave to the queen, really, of that tribe. And I don't know if that means that she got to, like, not clean out the chamber pots. She got to, like, boss people around to do that. But we know that she was, she was the top. And the way that she was, you know, rewarded was that she was given as a wife to Abram. But we know that even though she was given as a wife, she was still seen as a slave. You know, when there was this, this controversy, it wasn't like, well, go deal with my other wife. It was, go deal with your servant. Like, this is on you, man. Like, you go and take care of it. And in life, there are so many times that, like, we do our best and we play the cards right that we've been given and it comes flying in our face. Now, because this was culturally acceptable, it may have been a big honor for Hagar. You know, if she had had a child on her own, because she was a slave, the best thing that she ever could have hoped for was that her child would also be a slave. And now she's in this position that she has no choice of. And if she has a child, that child would become the heir to the, the, the kingdom that she was enslaved to. And so that would be really conflicting because everyone here in this room knows that when you aren't given a choice, when you're not given a choice about what happens to your body, when you're not given a choice what happens in your life, that is a really difficult position to be in. That, there's a lot of emotions that come with it. But then when there's a benefit... It's so conflicting. And life is conflicting. God made us so complex, which is wonderful. But we see this story and it's like, you know, she was a real person. She was a real person with real emotions and she may have lived thousands of years ago, but we see in her life who we are. You know, I am Hagar. You are Hagar. You are also enslaved to things. You also play your cards right. And then like Hagar, we see a mirror of ourselves where she played her cards right and then she played them wrong, right? It's like she did what every single one of us does. And, and it's, it's a depiction actually that is, it's really hard, I think, to think about is, you know, we don't want to think of ourselves as prideful. We don't want to think of ourselves as getting in a position and then rubbing it in someone's face. But because Hagar was her top servant, she would have been privy to knowing the pain that 
Hagar or that Sarai and Abram would have gone through wanting to conceive. Anyone here that has gone through that specific struggle would know how much pain it would be. And they're in their 70s and 80s and they're believing for this promise from God. And then this servant, you know, it's, and it's like, I don't know all of it, but she's going, if I'm gonna have someone have my child, I want it to be you. And then there's Hagar and she starts mistreating her once it happens. And it's like that pain is deep. And so we see those things. We know how complex our lives are. But for Hagar, it's like, I, I can imagine that as much as she's mistreating her, as much as she's prideful and she's, she's haughty and she's, and she's doing this, I'm sure she was also ashamed of her behavior. But then what happens is Sarah treats her so poorly that she runs away. And we all run away. We all do this. You know, we may not physically run away. You know, we don't have a desert to like go run away and like go by a spring, but we run away, we dissociate. Um, we, we fall into really unhealthy habits. And that's something that, you know, I've seen in my own life. I've seen in my friends' lives. Um, and it can, it can go to varying degrees, but we see that. And so in her life, we see ourselves depicted. And you know, this is one of the first stories in the Bible. This is in Genesis 16. And the way that God reveals himself throughout the Bible, the firsts of the Bible, they really matter. Now, last week, Pastor Roy had mentioned how there are examples in the Bible when Jesus will actually appear in the Old Testament and the New Testament, but in the Old Testament, before he was born, um, and because God is outside of time, and so there were moments when he would come into time and he would, he would, he would express himself. And you know, when he called Abram out, there was some sort of an interaction, but there's nothing ex um, explaining or expressing or, or depicting to us that there was like a physical encounter. But in this, this is actually the first time in recorded history where scholars and everyone can look at this text and say, actually, she had a conversation with a real life, living, breathing person. And so what God shows and reveals to her in this, in this time, I think is super important to me. I think it's super important to us to understand that in our humanity, God wants to meet us there. God sees us there. In verse seven, we read, the angel of the Lord found Hagar near a, street, a spring in the desert. And he said, Hagar, slave of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? Now in life, when we're running, we don't hear the Holy Spirit. We don't. We lose that capacity. Like if you're running a race, like I'm, I'm not a runner, um, but if you're running a race, if you're doing anything athletic, if you're in the moment, it's interesting, you know, you don't hear. And it's, it's I know, because when I'm like doing stuff around my house, my son Asher will, mom, mom, mom. And I'm just doing it. Like I don't hear him because I'm in it. I'm doing something. And then now in the last few weeks, he starts going, Mia, you know, and you know, God isn't going to bash your door in, but he will wait for moments of you resting. And that's what we see here. She finally, you know, if it's, if it's exhaustion that you finally succumb to like just relaxing and just stopping and thinking, you know, those are the moments the Holy Spirit will come in and he'll talk to us. And we see that that happens. And he says to her, you know, where are you coming from and where are you going? And she says, I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai. Then the angel of the Lord said, go back to your mistress and submit to her. You know, we don't always know what we're running from, but the weight of the cards that we carry are, is real. It's real. But it's when we actually stop to look at them and face them and submit to the fact that, hey, we, we've got a problem to deal with. That's when peace and refreshing comes. The refreshing doesn't come. The lie is if I run away, if I go really far over here, that's where the answer is. 
And it's like, if this is where your problem is, this is where your freedom is. You might get there one day, but that's not where the answer is. And we see that in this moment. We see that in this moment, he's saying, go back and face this. That is where where the problem is. That's where your destiny is. That's where I want to bless you. And that's the same for our lives as well. You know, it's this encounter with God and the revelation that God brought to her in that moment that gave her strength to face what she had to face. You know, Jesus in John 16, says, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. You know, so often I hear people say, you know, like I believe in God and my life's not any better. And it's like, he never said it would get better. Listen to what I, this, I just, it makes me laugh every time. In verse 12, God says about, about um, Ishmael, to Hagar. He will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone and everyone's against him. And he will live in hostility towards his brother. That is not the word of the Lord I want for my kids. (laughs) Right? It's like if someone was to come up and be like, this is the word of the Lord, I would be like, get away from me, Satan. (laughs) But the reality is, is we see the descendants of Ishmael. We see the descendants throughout all of history. And this is true. This is true. And yet... God said, name him, name your destiny, name, your, name this, that I hear, that I am the God who hears you, that there is a promise, that your future may not be all, you know, butterflies and rainbows, but I am with you and I hear you. And the beautiful thing is, she didn't even have to call out to God. There's nothing here that says she sat down by the, you know, by the, by the well and she just started praying and, and calling out to God. Because there are moments in our lives where we are so on the run from the reality. It's not like Sarah was just a little bit mean to her. I'm sure she was awful. You know, it took us five years to, to conceive Titus. It took six years to then have Asher. Like if somebody was rubbing it in my face that they conceived, that wouldn't have been a really pretty Mia that you would have seen. So she wasn't just running away from something that wasn't real. She was running away from real things. And yet it's there that God stopped her and had this encounter with her. And it's beautiful because she didn't call out to God. God reached out to her. And God reaches out to you. There are times when we can't pray. There are times when the things in our lives are too heavy. There's times when we're too exhausted. But God is reaching out to you this morning. If you're online, if you're in this room. And, you know, it's not... You know, none of us are, you know, on the outside, we can all walk in here and smile. But God knows, he knows us. He knows why you're making the decisions you've made. And he knows why you're thinking the things you're thinking. And so often we get so full of shame because we're like, why am I thinking this way? I should be thinking differently. I know these things about God. I know, I know, I know. But then we still are. And so we just hide and we just, shame covers shame. And it was true. It's, if it's true now, it was true back then. If it was true then, it's true now. And so, you know, the enemy wants us to stay, stay in the dark. And God's like, come out. I'm here. I'm calling you. Just, just stop running. Take a drink of water. Sit down. And let me just be with you. Let me encounter you. And that's really my heart for you this morning. You know, the reality is there are things in life that we don't know how to face. They are too heavy. They are too complex. We've never experienced them before. Like we're not a professional. You know, maybe it's your finances. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's your health. And you don't know. And the beautiful thing is she didn't know either. And God said, okay, but this is your next step. And so at the end of this message, you're gonna have an opportunity to come forward and have people lay hands on you and pray for you if you want. Um, And again, it's not that they would necessarily know what to do with your cards or how to play them but they can stand with you and believe for God to give you that next step because he knows, he knows what's next. 
strength for today comes, strength for today and tomorrow comes from the encounter and fresh revelation that God gives us when we stop and allow him to encounter us. We all have a deep desire to be fully known and to be fully loved. I mean, miscommunication is a problem, right? Like, I, I know. And it's like, I have the most incredible husband, and there are times where I'm like, he just doesn't get it. Any wife in here understand that? Okay, pretend that your husband's not here. Okay, yeah, a little bit more honesty, right? Like, being misunderstood, being misunderstood and feeling like people are judging us if they really are or they aren't, that is, that is hard. Misunderstanding ourselves, like, we truly don't even know ourselves. Life, living life is learning and discovering who we are. But God knows us. God knows us. In Matthew 10, 26, it says, he knows the number of hairs on our head. In 2 Kings 20, verse 5, it says, he's heard your prayers and he's counted your tears. He knows. He knows what's going on in your heart. He knows what's going on in your mind. And it's, it, it's just this, yeah. It's this beautiful interaction. And in the Amplified Version, I want to read to you this one part of what, what what Hagar says in response to this interaction she's had with God. In verse 13, she says, then she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her, you are God who sees me. For you have, for have I not even here in the wilderness remained alive after seeing the one who sees me with understanding and with compassion? You know, often in life, we judge ourselves, we pity ourselves, we pity other people, we're disgusted by other people, we just are, but that's not how God sees us, but, we, but we're created in his image and we sometimes project onto him. You know, if I am this disgusted with myself, if I hate myself this much because of these things I've done and these, or these things that have just happened to me, these things I don't get to have a say in, we project it onto God and then we run even further away from him. Because if I can't view myself, if I can't look myself in the mirror, how could God, how could he see anything different in me? But he knows. He's not judging those decisions or thoughts that you've had because he understands them. He gets it. And anyone else in your shoes who's lived everything you've lived is going to do the exact same thing that you did. And I know that because you've done it. And he doesn't judge you. He looks on you with compassion and with understanding. You know, we read God promised Hagar, I will increase your descendants so much that they would be too numerous to count. You shall name him Ishmael for the Lord has heard your misery. You know, Hagar, because she was a slave, had absolutely no legacy. She had no legacy. And some people here in this room, some people online might feel like you have no legacy, that you are enslaved to the things that have happened in your life, that you have no, no say. It doesn't matter how you play your cards. You are always going to lose. You're always going to come up short. You will never be free. And I know for myself, I felt that. You know, I don't, we don't get to choose the families we're born into, and it's like, there are things in life you can change, but you can't change that, my family of origin. And I love them and God has used them to do so much amazing stuff in me. But there are times that it's like, it is heavy. And it's like, if I could have chosen any other family, I would have done it. And they know that I felt this way. And we've all felt this way at times. You can have an amazing family. But like, I say that shamelessly because God has done an amazing work in my life and I love my family. But the weight of those cards, those things that I couldn't change but God can trump those things in your life. God can trump the things in your life. And we see it with Hagar. It's like, you're a slave. You have nothing. You have so little. No matter what you do, you will never have a legacy. And God comes in for the first time in recorded history. He shows himself 
He presents himself as a God who is understanding, a God who is compassionate, a God who is loving. And he says, I am going to trump the cards of your life. I'm going to trump this, not because of anything you've done or what anyone else has done. I'm going to increase your descendants so that there are so many that nothing else, like you can't even count them. And when everyone in the world looks at your children and your legacy, they are going to see that I am a God who hears. And it's, it's, it's so interesting to me because throughout the Bible, we hear all of these incredible things about God. We learn all of these amazing things about God. And, you know, in the next chapter, so chapter 17, we have an encounter between Abraham and God when God reveals himself as God Almighty. And, you know, growing up, it's like God is angry and he's almighty and he's vengeful. And there's all of these depictions, you know, in life and that we're taught about who God is. But the first time in recorded history when God could come down or chose to come down and have an interaction that was documented. The interaction wasn't, you are so amazing, you're almighty, you're my healer, you're all these things, which is so good. It was, I know you, and I see you with compassion, and I care. It is so relational. It's so relational. It's so personal. And it's this encounter that gives her strength. It's this encounter that lets her go back and face her tomorrow. It's this encounter that literally changed everything else from her lineage on. Who knows how many generations in her life were enslaved? Who knows? I don't know what you're carrying. I don't know how many generations have dealt with infidelity in your family or with addiction or with abuse. I don't know. But what I know is God has trump cards. And every single thing in your life, every card in your life that you don't know how to play or that says you're going to lose, he can trump it. You know, it's, it's, a, it's beautiful. In Isaiah 61, verse 3, and we were, seeing, we were seeing this this morning, you know, he gives beauty for ashes. If your life is, is dust, he created man out of dust. He formed it. He knows how to form it. He trumps it. He's like, it's done because of what he can do. It says that he brings joy for mourning. Ezekiel 36, 26 says that he gives a new heart for your heart of stone. There have been times in my life where I have felt after actually we, we had two miscarriages, after my second miscarriage, I remember sitting right over there and thinking, I am not going to raise my hands during worship. Like I was like, I will not. I have done this before. I will not. My heart was a heart of stone. And I remember going home that night and laying in bed and saying, God, when will I ever feel joy again? When will I ever feel joy again? And it was, I, I, it's like, I, no matter what I did, I could not take away that anger and that hatred. And it poured into everything in my life. And I know this is true. I know some of the stories of a few of you in this room. And I know you've been there before. And I know some of you are there right now. But God trumps that. An encounter with him, a moment with him. It's not about head knowledge. It's about our hearts being transformed. And, you know, sometimes it's even harder when we have the head knowledge and we're going, but why isn't it getting there? And we need an encounter with the living God. And that's something that I, I, I pray for you all for this morning. You know, a few years ago, you all remember this, COVID, right? Oh, bad word. We were, I was back at work. So Asher was just over a year. And um, I found myself in bed, not crying out to God. It's not that my prayer life was gone. But in this moment, I was in bed. And I was just weeping. And I was literally recounting every card in my current life. And I'm a lister, so I went way back too. But you know, I remember waking up every single morning feeling like there was a weight on my chest because what happens if my kid has a sniffle 
and our entire week is destroyed. Like, I can't get my work done. He can't go to school for two weeks. You know, Asher can't go to, like, what, what happens? I remember feeling that. I remember wondering, you know, the government, something's going to happen, and poof, online learning. You know, if you don't have kids, you had other stresses during that time. And I remember being in that moment, and, you know, my, my, my nephew had just, had just passed from a battle of cancer, and, like, the grief was so real, it was so real. And I, I was not calling out to God. I was listing and ranting and I was angry. I was so mad. And, you know, and then you're going back. You, I, I was like right back to my childhood. It's like the youngest things in your life. Like, have you done that? Have there been moments in your life when you're like, da, 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 da. And it's like, it's not making you feel better, but you feel, you feel like maybe it'll make you feel better. And you just feel smaller and smaller and smaller. And the hope just goes and goes and goes. And I was at that place where I felt absolutely hopeless. And in that moment, when I was not calling out to God, when I was like weeping, I don't even know like where my kids were screaming for me. I don't know. Apparently I don't hear them <laughs> if they're not calling my name. And uh, I was weeping in my bed and I felt the Holy Spirit say two things to me, two words. I heard him say, I know, I know. And all of the shame that I had been feeling and all of the anger I'd been feeling and all of the weight I had been feeling, I felt the compassion of God hold me and my grief and my anger that my, my nephew wasn't healed. I felt the shame come off of me, just two words. And you know, I, I believe that that's what the Holy Spirit wants to say to you this morning and encounter you this morning is that he knows. And it's not a, I know what you did, it's he knows. And from this, one of the wonderful things about being on staff is that, you know, when we're dealing with stuff, we can process it. <laughs> we're given the space to really ruminate. And you know, I was chatting with Karen about um, just everything that God had been doing and, you know, just me feeling seen. And in that moment, God reminded me of this passage. And when I went back, I wasn't reading about Abraham and Sarah. I was reading about Hagar. And I just, everything was just coming out of the pages at me. And so I went and was talking with Karen and we were just kind of sharing things. And she goes, you know, like, you know, I could write a song for you about this. And so I'd given her some ideas and some, some words and all of this, and we went back and forth a few times. And she wrote a song, I think I've listened to it. <laughs> My husband can tell, could probably tell us the exact number of times I listened to it. But probably, you know, multiple times every day <laughs> for the last two years. <laughs> and, uh, but it's, God is doing something in me that he did with Hagar, the first time in recorded history. And you know, the distance of time between God saying, I know you and I see you, and God saying, I'm God Almighty, both are true. But that distance in time, what it says to me is sometimes it takes time for these things to come to our heart, to leave our mind, to come into who we are. Sometimes it takes time for these truths to work themselves through. And, you know, Ryan had said this morning um, during our huddle, you know, God is outside of time, but he created time. And we're like, oh, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's get through this. And it's like, don't miss what God has for you in this season. Don't miss what God can do with your cards. You know, we look at the cards that life has given us. And it's like this, you know, this means I'm forever broken. And God's like, no, I can do something beautiful with this. And the beautiful thing about this is that you couldn't do it on your own. And so I'm going to have the team um, play the song. You know, Karen is in Africa. And I know her desire and my desire for you is that you would just, in this moment, stop and breathe and just let the Holy Spirit encounter you. And whatever it is he wants to say to you, if it has to do with this topic or other topics, let him. 
Let him meet him where you are. He sees you and he knows you and he loves you. And what was true for Hagar is true for me. You know, I am Hagar. I'm a slave without God redeeming me and bringing me freedom. And you are a slave without God. But this morning, he says, I've got a trump card that I want to play in your life. So I pray that this blesses you. And still you never 
speak to each and every one of you. You know, I was raised in a very legalistic home of the do's and don'ts. And as Mia said, the cards that were handed, it actually, it did more damage to me than good in the eyes of my eyes towards Jesus. Because there were so many do's and don'ts that I could never measure up. And I think, I don't know what your cards are this morning that you've been dealt. But you know, we're all shaped and we're all molded. I am Hagar. And I think we can all say that this morning. You know, it's seeing God through the eyes of the, the sincerity of who he truly is. I don't know if you're here this morning and you don't even know him. I don't even know what you do know about Jesus, the one that died, that went to the cross for us. I want to give you an opportunity this morning, if you don't know that Jesus, the Jesus that I have become or have become to know over the years of the legalism being broken off and the freedom coming in. As a young child into a teenager, into my adult lives, I lived with so much fear of that God. What would he do to me if I stepped over that line? And I was a rule follower my whole life because I feared the mighty hand of God coming on me. You know, we don't serve a God like that. We serve a God of love, of forgiveness. If you're here this morning and you've never met that Jesus, I wanna give you a chance to say, Father, I want to get to know you. I want to get to know that God Mia spoke about this morning. If that's you, or online this morning, just type in the, I made the best decision. If you're here this morning and that's you and your heart's pounding a little bit, would you raise your hand so we could pray with you and for you? Three and two in one. Thank you. Thank you. Come on, let's... You know, I'm just gonna pray. And if you can pray after me, you know, we're gonna celebrate. Let's just close our eyes this morning. As I pray, just repeat after me. Father, Jesus, I love you, God. I invite you into my heart this morning. Father, I relinquish all those things that have been holding me back. Father, I relinquish all those things that have been spoken about me. Father, I relinquish all those lies I've been told about you. Father, I just ask you to live in my heart today. Thank you, Jesus. I love you. Amen. You made the best decision this morning. great days ahead for you. Um, Take that word this week. I think it would be worth listening to again and again and again. (laughs) Um, Harvest, have a great week. We love you. Be blessed. And um, we'll see you back here next week.
Um, we, we do have prayer down front. Please come and get prayer this morning. You know, if you're facing anything, you need to run to the altar and get prayer.